Section two of Miss Mink's Soldier and Other Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kate Fallis. Miss Mink's Soldier and Other Stories by Alice Hegan Rice. A Darling of Misfortune a shabby but joyous citizen of the world at large was mr phelan harrahan as with a soul wholly in tune with the finite he half sat and half reclined on a baggage truck at lebanon junction he was relieving the tedium of his waiting moments by entertaining a critical if not fastidious audience of three beside him with head thrust under his ragged sleeve sat a small and unlovely bull terrier who at each fresh burst of laughter lifted a pair of languishing eyes to the face of his master and then manifested his surplus affection by ardently licking the buttons on the sleeve of the arm that encircled him it was a moot question whether mr harrahan resembled his dog or whether his dog resembled him that there was a marked similarity admitted of no discussion if corpse nose had been encouraged and his lower jaws pressed if his intensely emotional nature had been under better control and his sentimentality tempered with humour the analogy would have been more complete in taste they were one by birth predilection and instinct both were philosophers of the open preferring an untrammelled life in vagabondia to the collars and conventions of society both delighted in exquisite leisure and spent it in pleased acquiescence with things as they are some twenty-five years before Phelan had opened his eyes upon a half-circle of blue sky, seen through the end of a canvas-covered wagon on a western prairie, and having first conceived life to be a free and easy affair on a long open road, he thereafter declined to consider it in any other light. The only break in his nomadic existence was when a benevolent old man found him, a friendless lad in a Nashville hospital, cursed him through a fever and elected to educate him those were years of black captivity for phelan and after being crammed and coached for what seemed an interminable time he was proudly entered at the university where he promptly failed in every subject and was dropped at the mid-year term the old gentleman fortunately was spared all disappointment in regard to his irresponsible protege for he died before the catastrophe leaving phelan harrahan a legacy of fifteen dollars a month and the memory of a kind but misguided old man who was not quite right in his head being thus provided with a sum more than adequate to meet all his earthly needs phelan joyously abandoned the straight and narrow path of learning and once more betook himself to the open road the call of blue skies and green fields the excitement of each day's encounter the dramatic possibilities of every passing incident the opportunity for quick and intimate fellowship and above all an inherited and chronic disinclination for work made phelan an easy victim to that malady called by the casual tourist 
wanderlust but known in hoboland as railroad fever only once a year did he return to civilization don a stiff collar and recognize an institution during his meteoric career at the university he had been made a member of the alpha delta fraternity in recognition of his varied accomplishments not only could he sing and dance and tell a tale with the best but he was also a mimic and a ventriloquist gifts which had proven invaluable in crucial conflicts with the faculty and had constituted him a hero in several escapades of such material is college history made and the alpha delta recognizing the distinction of possessing this unique member refused to accept his resignation but unanimously demanded his presence at each annual reunion on june second for five consecutive years the ends of the earth had yielded up phelan harahan by a miracle of grace he had arrived in nashville decently apparelled ready to respond to his toast to bask for his brief hour in the full glare of the calcium then to depart again into oblivion it was now the first day of june and as phelan concluded his tale which was in fact an undress rehearsal of what he intended to tell on the morrow he looked forward with modest satisfaction to the triumph that was sure to be his for the hundredth time he made certain that the small brown purse so unused to its present obesity was safe and sound in his inside pocket during the pause that followed his recital his audience grew restive go on do it again urged the ragged boy who sold the sandwiches show us how forty fathom dan looked when he thought he was sinking i don't dare trifle with me features said phelan solemnly how much are those sandwiches one for five is it two for fifteen i suppose well here's one for me and one for corp and keep the change kid ain't that the train coming it's the up train said the station-master rising reluctantly it meets yours here i've got to be hustling phelan left without an audience strolled up and down the platform closely followed by corporal harahan as the train slowed up at the little junction there was manifestly some commotion on board standing in the doorway of the rear car a small white-faced woman argued excitedly with the conductor i didn't have no ticket i tell you she was saying as the train came to a stop i allowed i'd pay my way but i lost my pocket-book i lost it somewheres on the train here i don't know where it is i've seen your kind before said the conductor wearily what did you get on for when you didn't have anything to pay your fare with i tell you i lost my pocket-book after i got on she said doggedly i ain't going to get off you daren't put me off phelan who had sauntered up grew sympathetic he too had experienced the annoyance of being pressed for his fare when it was inconvenient to produce it go ahead demanded the conductor firmly i don't want to push you off but if you don't step down and out right away i'll have it to do 
the woman's expression changed from defiance to terror she clung to the brake with both hands and looked at him fearfully no no don't touch me she cried don't make me get off i've got to get to cincinnati my man's there he's been hurt in the foundry he's maybe he's dying now i can't help that maybe it's so and maybe it ain't you never had any money when you got on this train and you know it go on step off but i did she cried wildly i did oh god don't put me off the train began to move and the conductor seized the woman's arms from behind and forced her forward a moment more and she would be pushed off the lowest step she turned beseeching eyes on the little group of spectators and as she did so phelan harrahan sprang forward and with his hand on the railing ran along with the slow-moving train with a deft movement he bent forward and apparently snatched something from the folds of her skirt get on to your luck now he said with an encouraging smile that played havoc with the position of his features if hair ain't your pocket-book all the time the hysterical woman looked from the unfamiliar little brown purse in her hand to the snub-nosed grimy face of the young man running along the track then she caught her breath why she cried unsteadily yes yes it's my purse Phelan loosened his hold on the railing and had only time to scramble breathlessly up the bank before the down train the train for nashville which was to have been his whizzed past he watched it regretfully as it slowed up at the station then almost immediately pulled out again for the south carrying his hopes with it corporal said phelan to the dog who had looked upon the whole episode as a physical culture exercise indulged in for his special benefit a noble act of charity is never to be regretted but wasn't i the original gun not to wait for the change his lack of business method seemed to weigh upon him and he continued to apologize to corporal it was so sudden you know corp couldn't see a lady ditched when i had a bit of stuffed leather in my pocket and two hundred miles to nashville well i'll be jammed he searched in his trousers pockets and found a dime in one and a hole in the other it was an old trick of his to hide a piece of money in time of prosperity and to then discover it in the blackness of adversity he held out the dime ruefully that's pumpkin plaster for supper but we'll have to depend on a hand out for breakfast and corp he added apologetically you know i told you we was going to ride regular like gentlemen well i've been compelled to change my plans we are going to turf it twelve miles down to the watering tank and sit out a couple of dances till the midnight freight comes along if a side door pullman ain't convenient i'll have to go on to the bumpers then what'll become of you mr corporal harahan the coming ordeal cast no shadow over corporal he was declaring his passionate devotion by wild tense springs at phelan's face seeking in vain to overcome the cruel limitation of a physiognomy that made kissing well-nigh impossible 
Phelan picked up his small bundle and started down the track with the easy, regular swing of one who has long since gauged the distance of railroad ties, but his step lacked its usual buoyancy, and he forgot to whistle. Mr. Harahan was undergoing the novel experience of being worried. Of course he would get to Nashville. If the train went, he could go, but the prospect of arriving without decent clothes and with no money to pay for a lodging did not in the least appeal to him. He thought with regret of his well-laid plans, an early arrival, a Turkish bath, the purchase of a new outfit, installment at a good hotel, then presentation at the fraternity headquarters of Mr. Phelan Harahan, gentleman for a night. He could picture it all, the dramatic effect of his entrance, the yell of welcome, the buzz of questions, and the evasive curiosity and kindling answers which he meant to give. Then the banquet, with its innumerable courses of well-served food, the speeches and toasts and the personal ovation that always followed Mr. Harahan's unique contribution." oh he couldn't miss it providence would interfere in his behalf he knew it would it always did give me my luck and keep your lucre was a saying of Phelan's, quoted by brother hoboes from maine to the gulf all the long afternoon he tramped the ties with corporal at his heels as dusk came on the clouds that had been doing picket duty joined the regiment on the horizon which slowly wheeled and charged across the sky phelan scanned the heavens with an experienced weather eye then began to look for a possible shelter from the coming shower on either side the fields stretched away in undulating lines with no sign of a habitation in sight a dejected old scarecrow and a tumble-down shed in the distance were the only objects that presented themselves turning up his coat collar phelan made a dash for the shed but the shower overtook him halfway it was not one of your gentle little summer showers that patter on the shingles waking echoes underneath it was a large and instantaneous breakage in the celestial plumbing that let gallons of water down phelan's back filling his pockets hat-brim and shoes and sending a dashing cascade down corporal's oblique profile float on your back corp and pull for the shore laughed phelan as he landed with a spring under the dilapidated shed cheer up old pard you look as if all your past misdeeds had come before you in your drowning hour corporal shivering and unhappy crept under cover and dumbly demanded of Phelan what he intended to do about it. Light a blaze, sure, said Phelan, and linger here in the air of the tropics till the midnight freight comes along. Scraping down the old wood and debris in the rear of the shed, and extricating with some difficulty a small tin matchbox from his saturated clothes, he knelt before the pile and used all of his persuasive powers to induce it to ignite. At the first feeble blaze, Corporal's spirits rose so promptly that he had to be restrained. "'Easy there, Corp,' cautioned Phelan. "'A fire's like a woman. You can't be sure of it too soon. And dog alive, stop wagging your tail. Don't you see it makes a draft?' 
the fire capriciously would then it wouldn't a tiny flame played tantalizingly along the top of a stick only to go sullenly out when it reached the end match after match was sacrificed to the cause but at last deep down under the surface there was a steady reassuring cheerful crackle that made Phelan sit back on his heels and remark complacently they most generally come around in the end in five minutes the fire was burning bright corporal was dreaming of meaty bones in far fence corners and Phelan, less free from the encumbrances of civilization was divesting himself of his rain-soaked garments from one of the innumerable pockets of his old cutaway coat he took a comb and brush and clothes-brush and carefully deposited them before the fire then from around his neck he removed a small leather case hung by a string and holding a razor his treasured toilet articles thus being cared for he turned his attention to the contents of his dripping bundle a suit of underwear and a battered old copy of eli perkins were ruefully examined and spread out to dry the fire while it lasted was doing admirable service but the wood supply was limited and Phelan saw that he must take immediate advantage of the heat how to dry the underwear which he wore was the question which puzzled him and he wrestled with it for several moments before an inspiration came i'll borrow some duds from the scarecrow he said half aloud and went forth immediately to execute his idea the rain had ceased but the fields were still afloat and Phelan waded ankle-deep through the slush grass to where the scarecrow raised his threatening arms against the twilight sky beggars and borrowers shouldn't be choosers said Phelan, as he divested the figure of its ragged trousers and coat but i have a strong feeling in my mind that these habiliments ain't going to become me who's your tailor friend the scarecrow reduced now to an old straw hat and a necktie maintained a dignified and oppressive silence well he ain't on to the latest cut continued Phelan, wringing the water out of the coat but maybe these here is your pajamas don't tell me i disturbed you after you'd retired for the night very well then au revoir with the clothes under his arm he made his way back to the shed and divesting himself of his own raiment he got into his borrowed property by this time the fire had died down and the place was in semi-darkness Phelan threw on a handful of sticks and as the blaze flared up he caught his first clear sight of his newly acquired clothes they were ragged and weather-stained and circled about with broad unmistakable stripes well i'll be spiked said Phelan, vastly amused i wouldn't have thought it of a nice friendly scarecrow like that buncoed me didn't he well feathers don't always make the jailbird wonder what poor devil warm last peeled out of em in this very shed like as not well they'll serve my purpose all right all right he took off his shoes placed them under his head for a pillow lit a short cob pipe threw on fresh wood and prepared to wait for his clothes to dry 
meanwhile the question of the banquet revolved itself continually in his mind this time to-morrow night the preparations would be in full swing instead of being hungry half-naked and chilled he might be in a luxurious clubhouse dallying with caviar stuffed olives and benedictine all that lay between him and bliss were two hundred miles of railroad ties and a decent suit of clothes wake up corp for the love of mike be sociable cried phelan when the situation became too gloomy to contemplate ain't that like a dog now hold your tongue when i'm longing for a word of kindly sympathy and encouragement and barking your fool head off once we get on the freight much good it'll be doing us to get to nashville in this fix but we'll take our blessings as they come corp and just trust to luck that somebody will forget to turn em off i know when i get to the banquet there'll be one man absent that's bell of terre haute him and me is always in the same boat he gets ten thousand a year and ain't got the nerve to spend it and i get fifteen a month and ain't got the nerve to keep it poor old bell corporal roused from his slumbers sniffed inquiringly at the many garments spread about the fire yawned turned around several times in dog fashion then curled up beside phelan signifying by his bored expression that he hadn't the slightest interest in the matter under discussion gradually the darkness closed in and the fire died to embers it would be four hours before the night freight showed up at the water tank and phelan tired from his long tramp and drowsy from the heat and the vapour rising from the drying clothes shifted the shoe buttons from under his left ear and drifted into dreamland how long he slept undisturbed only the scarecrow outside knew he was dimly aware in his dreams of subdued sounds and by and by the sounds formed themselves into whispered words and still half asleep he listened i thought we'd find him along here this is the road they always take a low voice was saying you and sam stand here john and me'll tackle him from this side he'll put up a stiff fight you bet phelan opened his eyes and tried to remember where he was gosh look at that bulldog came another whisper and at the same moment corporal jumped to his feet growling angrily as he did so four men sprang through the opening of the shed and seized phelan by the arms and legs look out there cried one excitedly don't let him escape here's the handcuffs but here cried phelan what's up what you doing to me by this time corporal thoroughly roused made a vicious lunge at the nearest man the next minute there was a sharp report of a pistol and the bull terrier went yelping and limping out into the night you coward cried phelan struggling to rise have you killed that dog get those shackles on his legs shouted one of the men is the wagon ready sam take his legs there i've got his head leave the truck here we've got to drive like sand to catch that train after being dragged to the road and thrown into a spring wagon phelan found himself lying on his back jolting over a rough country road his three vigilant captors sitting beside him with pistols in hand 
any effort on his part to explain or seek information was promptly and emphatically discouraged but in time he gathered from the bits let fall by his captors that he was an escaped convict of a most desperate character for whom a reward was offered and that he had been at large twenty-four hours in vain did he struggle for a hearing only once did he get a response to his oft-repeated plea of innocence it was when he told how he had come by the clothes he had on for once phelan got a laugh when he did not relish it got him off a scarecrow did you said the man at his head when the fun had subsided say i want to be round when you tell that to the superintendent of the penitentiary i ain't heard him laugh in ten years so in the face of such unbelief phelan lapsed into silence and gloom what became of him concerned him less at the moment than the fate of corporal and the thought of the faithful little beast wounded and perhaps dying out there in the fields made him sick at heart just as they came in sight of the lights of the station the whistle of the freight was heard down the track and the horses were beaten to a gallop phelan was hurried from the wagon into an empty box-car with his full guard in attendance as the train pulled out he heard a little whimper beside him and there panting for breath after his long run and with one ear hanging limp and bloody cowered corporal phelan's hands were not at his disposal but even if they had been it is doubtful if he would have denied corp the joy for once of kissing him through the rest of the night the heavy cars rumbled over the rails and the men took turn about sleeping and guarding the prisoner only once did phelan venture another question say you sports you don't mind telling me where you're taking me do you listen at his gaff said one he'll know all right when he gets to nashville phelan sent such a radiant smile into the darkness that it threatened to reveal itself then he slipped his encircled wrists about corporal's body and giving him a squeeze whispered it's better in the bumpers corp at the penitentiary next day there was consternation and dismay when instead of the desperate criminal who two days before had scaled the walls and dropped to freedom an innocent little irishman was presented whose only offence apparently was in having donned temporarily the garb of crime as the investigation proceeded phelan found it expedient to become excessively indignant that an american citizen strolling harmlessly through the fields of a summer evening and being caught in a shower should attempt to dry his clothes in an unused shed and find himself attacked and bound and hurried away without his belongings to a distant city was an inconceivable outrage if a shadow of doubt remained as to his identity a score of prominent gentlemen in the city would be able to identify him he named them and added that he was totally unable to hazard a guess as to what form their resentment of his treatment would assume the authorities looked grave could mr harrahan remember just what articles he had left behind mr harrahan could a suit of clothes a pair of shoes a hat a toilet set and a small sum of money the loss of which added phelan with a fine air of indifference are as nothing compared to the indignity offered to my person 
would the gentleman be satisfied if the cost of these articles together with the railroad fare back to lebanon junction be paid him the gentleman after an injured pause announced that he would and thus it was that mr phelan harrahan in immaculate raiment presented himself at the sixth annual reunion of the alpha delta fraternity and with a complacent smile encircling a ten-cent cigar won fresh laurels by recounting with many adornments the adventures of the previous night end of section two